we're going to get right into it tonight. Um, the title of my message is, Are You Eager? Are You Eager? We're in a series called Under Pressure. Um, this is all about your character, my character, who we are when we're put under pressure. And um, we're talking about the quality of eagerness. And I think Leilani displays what it means to be eager for the things of God. Can we give it up for her? That was so great. So proud. Um, but there's many of you in this room who, who are also eager, right? And eager is kind of this word that is like not, not very commonly used. The definition of eager is this. You can write this down. Wanting to do something or have something very much. It's characterized by keen expectancy or interest, right? So something that you want so badly, like it's in you, it's in your heart. The thing is that um, eagerness, like it's not like some of us are eager for things. We all have this innate eagerness. Like we are, when we're little kids running around, right? We are eager to find what's next. Right? We're eager to get into the cupboards. We're eager to mess with our siblings, whatever it is. There's something new out there. There's something uh, that's taking us a step forward or taking us into something that's unknown. And we're eager for that, right? So we've all had something we've been eager for. Um, I know for me, I was super eager to not have um, an LG Voyager anymore. And I was eager to get that young iPhone 3, okay? <laughs> So anyone still on like the iPhone 3 or 4 game and no one's upgraded you, like your, your mom's like, no, you have grandma's old phone and you're staying on the plan like that, okay? I was the youngest, so I always got the last upgrade, right? Anyone on the family plan, you know how it works, right? You get like one new upgrade every year, the whole site, you know? And, and then they're like, you know, we're going to transfer the upgrade to grandma's number. <laughs> grandma, do grandma doesn't even use her phone, mom, that's messed up. She's like, well, she found it. She called Verizon and she found out she had the upgrade. So now I'm like, mom, she's upgrading to a droid. That's not right. And I'm out here with my iPhone 4S. Is that even a thing? I don't know. I feel like I, I got the S. My mom probably like knew that it really wasn't even an upgrade and it was actually a worse quality phone. She's like, it's fine. Let's do it. To the, when I like turned around and was looking at phone cases and Verizon, she's like looking at the guy at the counter. She's like, we'll just tell her. We'll just tell her it's an upgrade. It's actually a downgrade. Don't tell her. Okay. So I was eager for that though, okay? It was something I wanted so badly, right? And when you're eager for something, you'll do whatever it takes, right? Anyone know that you have just low-key manipulated your parents into something? Let's all just be honest right here. Y'all probably manipulating your teachers right now. It's the end of the semester. You are eager to not fail high school seniors. I see you, senior project. You're like, I am eager to have my mentor sign off on all of these projects I never did. Please, please sign the paper, right? So when we want something badly, we're eager for it. We've got a desire that's so deep that we'll do anything to get it, right? And so from a young age, there's, you can think of things right now that for you, it, it was specific to you. Maybe you were a super creative kid, and for whatever reason, you were just eager to be around artistic things. You were eager to be around music um, or art or theater. Maybe you were just eager to get outside and play. Like you were that kid who wanted to just be outside, jump in the mud. And like no matter what your parents did, they couldn't stop you from like bringing a huge mess into the house, right? And so 
we all have something from a young age, no matter what, that we were eager for. And, and that's not an accident. That's God putting a desire in us as humans to move forward in life, to step forward. Forward's our theme for this year. Um, and I think it's no accident that it's come up as a repetitive theme in our talks this year. It's not by us making some calculated plan, but it's because it's a word God's put on this house um, to take us into the future, to take us into what's next. And that's who he made us to be. He made each and every one of you in this room to be people that move this world forward, to move your family, your friends forward. Um, and maybe right now you're thinking, I don't even feel that eagerness. Like, I'm a quiet kid. Like, no one notices me. I don't make an impact. Um, and I can tell you right now that there is, there is an eager desire deep down in you to make a change. Uh, there are qualities and characteristics God's put in you specifically to reach the people that no one else can reach. Um, and so we have this eagerness that's, that's been built up inside of us. And as we grow, it transforms into different things. For me, when I was little, I was just eager to uh, be a part of whatever like exciting was going on. Like, I just wanted to be around the big kids. I wanted to just, whatever everyone else was doing, I wanted to be there too. And then it grew into the, you know, upgrading from the LG Voyager to the iPhone 4. I was super eager for that. Um, and then I got into sports and I was eager. I loved to be competitive. Is anyone else in here, you just know you're a competitive person? Um, maybe not, not in sports, but you like deep down, you're like, I'll cut you. Like you're eager. You're like, you're playing like Settlers of Catan and you're like, like, you just have the like twinkle in your eye like you're gonna hurt somebody. That's, that was me a little bit. You know, sometimes you hide it better than other times. Feel like I can hide it well here, but like catch me, I don't know, in a game of Uno, it might, it might go down. So, so for me, I had a, a competitive eagerness, a competitive eagerness. Um, maybe your eagerness, the thing that you want so badly, um, maybe you're someone who you want so badly to have peace. Like, there are straight up some people who are just, like, awesome chillers, okay? Like, you guys are the, the, the good person to have in the group. You don't want to, like, hurt anybody's feelings. You're not trying to talk smack when they get out of the car. Like, you're just a peacekeeper. You're just a straight chiller, okay? Taylor Huber is this person, just a kind person, okay? I don't know where you are. But, right, like, some of you, you have an eagerness for that peace. Or maybe you're the life of the party friend. You're the eagerness for fun. You're like, no matter what, we're going for it, okay? Talyn is this person, okay, eager for the party. But the thing is, I think what can happen is we, we have this thing in us that's so good. It's God-given. There's no accident about who you are and who you were made to be. But the world starts to warp it in, into something it's not meant to be. And it's no accident that Leilani, like, I think I looked at her notes maybe and I, like, scribbled them down or something because this goes right along with what she's talking about is that the world over here wants to tell us to be eager for some different things. She's talking about competition, right? Like, I gotta be in the gym, I gotta get back to those pull-ups, her arms are freaking broken. She's like, I wanna go back to the gym. Like, what the heck, right? Legend. But for me, I, I felt this eagerness to just like be the best. Maybe you guys can relate to that, maybe it's in your whatever group you're in, a friend group, your activity, your sport, your club, whatever. Um, maybe it's in your, your grades, your parents are super hard on you. 
and you're like, I am literally doing my best, and, you're, and, and you don't know what else to do, but you have this eagerness like, I have to be the best. I have to step it up. I have to um, do more, be more. And, you know, I started to feel this. I started to have this, this competitive, intense, like, fiery thing that was good that God put in me to just, like, want to, like, go hard all the time uh, to, like, an unhealth level, okay? So I was playing volleyball with my friends. Shout out to my friends who play volleyball who are here in the front row. Um, they are coincidentally going to be brought into this story, so meant to be. Um, but it, it got to this unhealthy place, okay? So when I was here as a student um, in UD, all of you guys, that's you. So imagine me, but I'm you, okay? Um, I was here as a student in UD, and I was sitting, I don't know, where did I sit? Maybe like the third row, like right in the middle, you know? I assert my dominance, I was competitive, like I'm right here, okay? I have my notes, I'm good, okay? And I really, I did pride myself, you know, like I'm the best, I gotta be the best. I got to do the most, got to be at everything. Um, and it, it kind of got to this unhealthy place where here's what was happening. And if it's okay, I know you guys are family. We're all family here. So I'm just going to share what I was going through when I was in your shoes is I, and no one else did this to me. No one else did this to me. But I think this is just what the world can collectively do to us when we're not invested into who Jesus has asked us to be. Um, I was just so competitive deep down in a, in a mean way with the people I played with. I was like, I have to be better than this person to feel good about who I am. And so I had this eagerness to compete, um, not with myself, but an eagerness to compete with who this person was over here. So you guys, I know all of us can relate to this in some way, right? Comparison, comparing to people. Um, but it, it began to eat at me to a point where I was, I was like, you know, I'm going to take action into my own hands and I'm going to control. I can't control who gets playing time or I can't control, um, you know, if this person just gets better than me naturally, but I can control what I do and don't eat. And so I totally, um, in hindsight, um, no, like I chose an eating disorder. Like I stepped into that and was like, I'm fine with this because I wanted to have control and I had an eagerness to compete with, with myself and with the others around me. Th that's, the, that's the dark place that we can get taken to when we allow an eagerness for this world to control us. And so I want you guys to ask yourselves, we have a few minutes left, and I want to get into scripture because I think that's the most important part of this night. Um, but I want you to ask yourself, what am I so eager for in this world? Am I eager to be noticed? When someone else gets the shout out on stage, am I thinking, I wish that was me? When someone else gets a pat on the back in the huddle and the coach shouts them out, in your heart, are you saying, like, I wish that was me? That, that should be me getting the shout out. Are you eager to be put in the spotlight? Because there's some things that the Bible teaches us that is so contrary to wanting to be the best. 
And in fact, we're going to get into some stories right now of some people who, rather than being eager for the things of this world, they were eager to be at the feet of Jesus. Um, And so I want to pray right now. We're going to get into the scripture. um, And I would ask that every person would lean into this part. If you haven't heard anything else, that's totally fine. Um, And this next part is going to be the part that's going to hit because the Word of God is so powerful, and when you start to read it, it will change your life. It will change your perspective on everyone around you, everything around you, um, because it's not our perspective speaking anymore. It's God's perspective on this world. The coolest thing about it is that we're written into this story, and we don't even realize it. And, like, God is literally speaking to my life through this thing. And when was it written? Thousands of years ago? That's crazy. But he's speaking. We're in this story. Each of you is in this story. Um, So let's pray right now. God, thank you that you've given us an open heart and open mind to move forward in life and to see what you have for us. God, in these next few moments, allow us to see who you've created us to be and what you've created us for. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, the scripture that I want you guys to open up to um, is a story about a guy named Zacchaeus. Everyone say Zacchaeus. Well done, well done. I'm going to totally mess up my notes by crunching this Bible. Anyone else got the blue Bible? Anyone else got the uh, real life blue Bible? I got one, I got two, I got three. Uh, A few weeks ago, I don't know if anyone else agrees, but there's been some powerful stuff happening at UD. And a few weeks ago, we ran out of Bibles because we were able to get so many people a Bible for the first time. Like... That's freaking awesome. And that's because of each of you guys bringing your new friends who need God. So I'm proud of you guys for that. Um, The story of Zacchaeus is this. Well, there's an old song. I'm not going to pull a tailor and sing it. um, Because... I can't. I'm not Taylor. It's not, it's not going to be funny. You're all just going to be like, yeah, that was just actually bad. Zacchaeus, Luke, 19.4, catch me after service. I'll sing it for you. Um, yeah. Cameron will sing it for you, apparently. Zacchaeus, you guys, he's this dude who people hated, straight up. They didn't like him. Uh, he, he wasn't a good guy. He did a lot of evil stuff. Um, but here's the thing. is Jesus came on the scene. People knew he was a dope dude, and he started to change people's lives. I know my life was changed by Jesus. I know many of yours was changed by Jesus. And that's what was happening to people right then and there. It's been happening for thousands of years. So Jesus, uh, he's walking through the town, and Zacchaeus hears that he's coming. And here's the the scripture that's so important. I'm just going to highlight one part. I'm paraphrasing the story here, but Zacchaeus, it says he's a short dude, so he's like, he can't see over the crowd, but he knows There's something in him that tells him, Jesus is the dude for me, and I need to get in Jesus' presence, and although I've been a sinner my whole life, and I've stolen money from people every day of my life, that is literally how he made his money. He lied, manipulated, and stole from people. That's messed up. He knew there was something that was telling him. There was something that was pulling him. There was something that in him was so eager to get to Jesus. This is what the scripture says in Luke 19, verse 4. So he ran ahead. Like, there's a whole mob. He's, 
they're all, Jesus, Jesus, I don't know, I don't, I just imagine them kind of being like, I don't know, in the crowd, I kind of imagine them all being dumb, like, where's Jesus going? And Zacchaeus runs ahead, like this dude runs ahead of the group. He climbs a sycamore tree beside the road because Jesus was just going to pass that way. Zacchaeus didn't even have a guarantee he would get to talk to the guy, but he ran ahead to go find out what Jesus was going to do. And I think there are people in this room who we've been eager for some other things, but if we would allow the eagerness when we hear the stories of Jesus to actually sit in our heart, that we would start to feel this burden to start running. And we would want to run ahead of the group so far just to get a glimpse of what Jesus is going to do from the tree. And I see some of the young people in this room who are doing that, who are getting up on Saturday mornings and serving people in a food bank. That's incredible, you guys. And we have a generation of people right here who I believe have this so much passion, uh, but we can misdirect it. We can be eager to be in the spotlight. We can be eager to be on the stage. We can be eager to be elevated, to be included. What if you can never get included? Is it still going to be enough to run forward and get up in the tree to see a, just a glimpse of what Jesus was going to do? Zacchaeus was a man who Jesus showed so much mercy on. Another example is the story of Mary and Martha, two sisters who were followers of Christ. They had heard what he was doing. Uh, and so Jesus, he goes to their house one day and the story we usually hear is of how Martha was so busy cleaning and Mary sat at his feet and this whole, this whole deal. But here's the real thing is this is what he says to Mary. And this is what Jesus is saying to us when we humble ourselves and we come to the feet of Jesus and we, we put away the things of the world. We say, I know I've been eager for those things before, but I'm going to choose to be eager for the things of God. He says there's only one thing worth being concerned about. He's, like, talking about himself. He's, like, not cocky, but he's, like, trying to be, like, get to the point. He's, like, it's me. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary discovered it, and it's not going to be taken away from her. You know, the, you know what can be taken away? Your sport. You know what can be taken away? Your good grades. Hey, it literally doesn't matter. It, it matters. It matters. Do well in school and apply yourself, but your grades are not going to approve your character. Your grades are not going to approve your relationship with Christ. And if we choose to put our value in all of our eagerness into the things of this world, it's going to be fleeting. There are some seniors right now who are asking themselves, hey, what's next for me? Where am I going? Where's my next step? But Jesus tells us this, Mary, you discovered the most important thing was me as she's sitting at Jesus' feet. And listening to what he says. He says, it's not going to be taken away. Wow, how assuring that there's one thing in life that can't be taken away. There's one thing in life that when we have an eagerness to seek God and we sit at his feet first, that it's not going to be taken away from us. How many of us have had things taken away that were really important? Not just our phones, I'm talking family members. We've had things taken away, pulled away, accomplishments yanked out from under our feet. When I decided not to play volleyball anymore, I literally cried in Victoria Hackett's car, and she told me, it's fine, quit. I quit things all the time. It was great. It's what I needed to hear. But I felt like something is being ripped away. Maybe you're thinking of something right now. 
if this title I hold over myself, if this position, if this friend group got ripped away, I'd feel like nothing. And then ask yourself, would it be enough for you to sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary and just to hear what he has to say? Would you be, would you be willing to run ahead of the group just to get a glimpse of Jesus from the tree like Zacchaeus? So there's two points I want to leave us with tonight. And then we're going to close. Point one is this. Get eager to get to the feet of Jesus. Get eager to get to the feet of Jesus. Of all the things in my life that I have ever accomplished, of all the things in my life that I've ever been proud to be a part of, everything that has to do with Jesus trumps all of it. I'm so great, like truly, I'm so grateful to be with you guys tonight. I could be plunging a toilet right now and I would be, this would still be the greatest night of my week because we get to do Jesus stuff here. When we get together all across the city doing whatever it is, young life, serving in the storehouse, talking to someone in a coffee shop, we're doing it in the name of Jesus, and that is the greatest work that we could ever do. The eagerness that's inside of me now to be able to do that is so much greater than it ever was to compete with somebody, to put myself in a position to not be healthy, to be better than someone else. It pales in comparison because Jesus put something new and different inside of us that's a fire like no other. I think there's no, uh, no accident that Leilani is bouncing up and down here. That's called joy of the Lord, people. And when someone has it, it is undeniable. Sometimes our spirit starts to contend with people who have negativity and have this like just down spirit. It's because you've got the joy of the Lord and there's something there that they don't have. But we have the opportunity to bring it. We have the opportunity to bring it. The second point is this, and I'll invite the band to come. It says, we want to be eager to bring home our lost friends. And this is the last story I'm going to share with you from the word. This is the story of the prodigal son. We're going to read from Luke 15. If you guys don't know, there are four books in the Bible. We call them the Gospels. Gospel means good news. The the whole good news of that Bible is Jesus. So the four books is where they talk about Jesus, okay? So the four books is where Jesus was alive. He was walking on the earth. And so all the stories in those four books have Jesus in them. Just a little backstory here. So we're going to read from the Gospel of Luke. Luke was a doctor. That's a random fact. You don't really need to know that for this story. But this was written in the book of Luke, chapter 15. The story of the prodigal son. I'm actually going to read it, the whole story from my little blue Bible here. Shout out to the blue Bible squad. This story is called the parable of the lost son. And what a parable here is, it's a story giving us an example so we can kind of understand. And so Jesus, he's trying to make a point to a group of people. He's trying to show them um, what it means to be lost and what it means to be found. It says this, In verse 11, to illustrate the point further, Jesus tells them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want want my share of the estate now, before you die. 
And so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A really sad thing, a lot of you have probably heard this story before so you understand, but if you don't, it, that's really sad because the son shouldn't get their inheritance until their dad dies. So to ask for the money early, he's telling his dad, I would rather have you dead. Give me my money now, give me mine, and I'll go on my way. A few days later, this younger, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. There he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But still no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. We're going to read two more verses here, but I want to stop first and say I think there are some people who are coming in this room, you feel like the son, and you feel like that last scripture. Like, please, hire me on as just a servant. Like, I'm not worthy of being your son. And we're about to read what the father's response is. But I want to tell each of you, if you come in here each week, and deep down that's how you're feeling. Like, you're not worthy of this place, or you're not worthy of leadership, or you're not worthy of coming to the front or opening up to someone, can I tell you that God already has seen everything that's gone on in your life and he called you worthy when Jesus died on the cross. So you're worthy to be here. It says this, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, not just in distance, huh? He was still a long way off here. I'm still a long way off. A lot of us were a long way off. His father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. The second point that was mentioned, we want to be eager to welcome other people back. We want to be like the father to this community. We want to be like the Father to our friends who have run back. Some of us, we carry a judgmental spirit. Maybe we have an eagerness to be right. I know that was me. But we need to have an eagerness to welcome people home, an eagerness to see past mistakes, an eagerness to see past people's past, and to see a new vision for them and see the future that they could have. And at Undivided, we want to be a group of people who are saying, I want to be like the father to the prodigal sons of this world because I know I was once one and someone welcomed me home. Jesus welcomed me home and never turned his back to me. And just like this, the father, I'm going to start running before my friend can even get to UD. I'm going to start running before my friend can even say yes to the invite. I'm going to run so hard after them. They're still a long way off. They don't even know they're coming home yet. That's who we want to be. I'm going to invite everyone to stand across this room.
I want to invite us to close our eyes across this room and just ask ourselves a couple questions. What, what have I wrongly been eager for? Have I been eager to promote myself? Have I been eager to be right, to be lifted up, to be exalted? Are we eager only for our own transformation moment? The other question is this, who have I eagerly lavished a blessing on? God has so graciously lavished his blessing on us that we could be eager for the things of God, that we could be excited to be in this house. What a blessing, what a miracle. Who have we shared that miracle with? Who have we lavished a blessing on? Who have we welcomed home before they even know they're coming home? Lord God, as we get ready to worship in this moment, we repent of all eagerness to exalt ourselves. We repent of our eagerness to be the best. And we choose to position our hearts humbly to honor you, to get to the feet of Jesus. God, all we want to do is be your servant. All we want to do is get up in front of the crowd so that we might see just a glimpse of what you're going to do. God, across this room, I believe there are people who are feeling something in their heart and they're ready to make a decision for the first time to follow you. With every eye closed, out of respect for those around you, if that's you and tonight you want to make a decision for the first time to follow Jesus, to say yes to being eager for the things of God, to give up your eagerness for the things of this world, would you just boldly raise your hand and hold it high in the air right now? Leaders are going to be coming into the aisles to meet with you and pray with you. Let's repeat this together all across this room, whether you're saying this for the first time or the hundredth time. Jesus, thank you for giving your son on the cross to die for our sin. We believe that you're our God, that we can't do it alone, and we choose to serve you for all our days. Thank you for giving up your life to give us new life. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you guys forward as we begin to worship, and I want to encourage you to press in to what God has placed on your heart.